it's Brandi Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network Podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought-provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate, and inspire you to take your business to the next level. Hey, it's Brandi Taylor, the beauty business coach. I help beauty pros get unstuck and create the beauty business of their dreams. Look, beauty pros, it's time to level up. 2021 is almost over, but it can still be your year. It's not too late to hit that beauty business goal that you desire to hit when you started out in the beginning of this year. You know you wanted to launch your product line. You know that you wanted to write that book. You wanted to create that class. You had so many ideas. There were so many things you wanted to work on in your business. You wanted to level up your beauty business in some way, but you just haven't done it yet. I'm here to help you do just that. I've created an awesome eight-week accelerator program, but during this free masterclass, we're going to learn more about the accelerator program and how you can get involved with that, as well as hot seat coaching. And I'm going to share some ways that you can actually achieve your business goals this year. You can at least get started, right? So we're definitely going to work on doing something this year. So we're going to fast track our beauty businesses to success this year. I hope that you join me on Monday, September the 27th. It's happening via Zoom. All you have to do to register is click the link in the show notes via Eventbrite and you can register for free and sign up for that Zoom session, that free masterclass. Join me there on September the 27th at 7 p.m. I hope to see you there. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I am super, super excited to share today's episode with you. Happy Monday. It's a new day. It's a new week and a new episode of the Business Beauty Network podcast. I have an awesome episode in store for you today. I had a great interview with Tara Payton. She's a marketing strategist and she's a consultant for e-commerce beauty brands. And we really talked about, you know, marketing and she gave some great tips about what she does for her clients. I actually enjoyed learning more about her signature program, which is Position to Profit. And we talked a little bit about that. She gave some great tips, dropped so many gems. She didn't hold anything back. And I really enjoyed our conversation. I think you will too. And you'll learn a lot of things from Tara. Make sure that you connect with her and follow her. She's definitely um, a jewel in this industry and can help you, especially if you have an e-commerce beauty brand and you need help in that area. But here's a little bit of Tara's bio. Tara Payton is a marketing strategist and consulting for e-commerce beauty brands. She helps product-based beauty business owners generate consistent and profitable five-figure months without posting five times a day. For more than 10 years, she worked with major corporations and startups, creating and selling million-dollar products for brands like L'Oreal and establishing sales strategies that made fortunes 500 companies like American Express and Whole Foods Millions. Her signature program, Precision to Profits, has helped her clients triple their revenue, generate thousands of dollars in a day, and attract people that turn into long-term loyal customers. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview, and here it goes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Brittany Taylor. We have an awesome guest today, Tara Payton. Welcome, Tara. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Brandy. Thanks for being on. I'm super excited about our conversation today. So, Tara, tell us something about yourself that most people would not know. (laughs) That's a good question. Um, So, something that most people would not know about me is that, well, two things. So one thing is I'm from Atlantic City, like born and raised um, in Atlantic City. There are neighborhoods, people live there and we lived in a house. We didn't live in a casino. That's one. (laughs) And then the second thing, somebody legit asked me that when I was um, starting at Morgan State, when I was in college, and you know, you gotta get up and introduce yourself or whatever. And they were like, did you live in a casino? And I was like, no. Um, and then the second thing most people won't know about me is that, um, I'm an introvert. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now I can understand why somebody that's maybe that was the only thing that they were familiar with. Like they only knew of the casino. So yeah, (laughs) I was like, no, we had a house. Like we lived a couple blocks from the beach. You know, there are neighborhoods. (laughs) Right. They're like, do people live there? I thought they just right. gamble. <laughs> right, right. 
<laughs> I get it. I get it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, so um, let's get into the business. Like, how did you get started? Um, you know, tell us about a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey leading up to where you are now. Woo, the entrepreneurial journey. So I've been a full-time entrepreneur for about a year now. And um, it started a long time before that, right? And it was unbeknownst to me. So I used to work for L'Oreal in their professional products division. And I did that for a few years. I did marketing, sales, um, product development, which was not my favorite area. And I left that and I kind of was... You know, I kind of wanted to step away from the beauty industry and step away from marketing. But as much as I tried, people kept reaching out to me to help them with their marketing. I had friends who were launching beauty brands, people who already had brands and wanted to learn how to scale them. And so they kept asking me for help. So that went on for a few years. And then in 2019, I started working with my nail artist because she wanted to develop a product line and launch it. So we worked on this in 2019. She didn't launch until 2020, once the pandemic happened and she was like no longer able to see clients. And when she launched her product and she had the success that she had with her product, I was like, okay, like this is like legit. Like, why are you, why are you keep trying to step away from what is, you know, continuing to come into your world, which was people needed help in this space, especially when it came to the business of beauty products. So I decided to go all in last year and it's been a year since I've been helping beauty brands, e-commerce brands online with growing and scaling their product-based businesses. It's interesting how you never know where the journey is going to lead you, right? You don't. You never know. And then also sometimes I heard, so I was listening to something earlier and it was just like, you know, follow what you know, go with what's easy. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was interesting because I think oftentimes the thing that comes easy to us, we don't necessarily think that's, it's nothing in that, you know, like Mm -hmm. we don't see nothing in that, Mm -hmm. but you are already helping people. You know, you have people were coming to you for advice for this stuff. You help your nail tech friend, you know, this was something that you have been doing. Mm -hmm. And so uh, once you stepped out into it and really realized like, this is the business and this is what I'm you know supposed to be doing right now. What was that like? It was truly an aha moment for me because like I mentioned, there was a lot of resistance for me with regards to beauty and marketing. Like I was like, I don't want to do marketing anymore. But the interesting thing was I quit my job years before I started working for L'Oreal to go back to school to focus on marketing. And when I left that job, um, you know, when I left L'Oreal, I was really like, I don't want anything to do with it. But like God has a way of keep putting things in your path that you're supposed to, you know, pay attention to. And I was very resistant for, I would say like six, seven years before I did this full time. So, you know, it's, it's interesting what you said, like, just how things come up that you're the things that are easy to you are the things that you're supposed to embrace. But I think oftentimes we resist them. Why? I have no idea. Um, but to answer your question, it felt like it really felt like an aha moment. Once my nail artist launched her product and she was making sales and it was the fastest selling product on her website, I was just like, all right, you got to do something with this. Like it's, t- it's time to stop playing. And I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I had that you know, as an idea for me when I was even an undergrad and I just could never form what that was, right? I had launched a business myself um, even before, you know, I got into the beauty industry. I launched a few businesses, launched a few after and nothing seemed to quite work out. And then it just kind of laid on me like, all right, this is it. So I once I was open and accepted it, that's when it just felt easy. Yeah, that's how it usually goes. Yeah, So share with us exactly what it is that you do to help your clients now. So, I mean, that could get real detailed, but at the highest level, um, you know, I work with my clients who are looking to grow and scale their online sales. And we do this in a number of ways. We do this through my um, program, Position of Profit, and where throughout this program, we focus on how to help you increase your revenue without necessarily increasing your marketing spend and also without you running raggedy on social media all day. So a lot of people, I think in today's day and age, a lot of people 
think about marketing as just social media. And that's not it. Like there's so many other things that go into marketing. Um, and so I focus them on the things that happen in the back end that help them set up, automate their business, make sales without needing to be on social media all the time. And so they get a good return. They get a great return um, on their investment from working with me inside of the program. Okay, well, give us a sneak peek into what that looks like. Like, you don't, you can, you don't have to share everything, but give us you mm-hmm. know, a sneak peek and how you help them with their marketing, you know, how, to, how they can avoid having to be on social media all the time, some of the things that you help with there. So, for example, um, you know, automations, a lot of clients, when they come to me, they've grown their business to a certain point and they are either stuck in a um, sales rut or their sales are starting to decline or, you know, they have like the roller coaster sales. And so they've done all that all that they can do on their own um, to get their brand to that point. And so one of the things that we do that I focus heavily on is automations, right? What are you automating in your business so that you don't manually have to be there in order to post, in order to send the email, right? What sequences do you have set up? Are you even thinking about how to get your customers to spend more, right? If you think about that in the average order value and how you, um, you know, market to your customers, both new and existing with a higher average order value, that can essentially double your sales without increasing any marketing spend that you may have or increasing any additional effort that you have to get traffic to your website, right? Um, Another thing that I work with my clients on, which you would be, I don't know if it's surprised. I don't know. I'm not easily shocked by much, but a lot of my clients, you know, like I said, they've done what they can do to a certain point. But we go through and fully automate, not automate, but optimize their website for conversions. Um, A lot of people, you will hear, you know, certain experts and stuff talk about conversion rates and this is what it is. And this is, you know, 2%, 5%, whatever the percentage is. But there are ways to actually optimize your website in order to increase your conversion rate and also increase your average order value. Okay. Now, what are some common mistakes that you see beauty brand owners making with their marketing and all of those things? I think there's this common misconception that you can start a business by simply having a product, right? And when I talk about the product, it's like you have a product, it's cute. You got a cute website, you got your logo designed. Um, And so a lot of people get their feelings hurt when they have this product that they've worked on for six months with the lab or they've purchased some products from you know, a manufacturer, and they might've spent their last dime to meet those minimum order quantities, right? And so the misconception is that product is not going to sell itself. So that's like the biggest mistake. A lot of people, when you are actually in product development is when you should start to develop If not before you get into product development, you should be starting to focus on what is going to be your marketing strategy. How are you actually going to sell through these products? Who's your target audience? Like that's a huge, huge thing that a lot of people don't realize how deep they need to go into understanding who their target customer is in order to effectively sell. So yeah, there's, that would be the biggest one is, you know, thinking you could just have a pretty product and it's going to sell. The other thing I would say is thinking that you can just run ads and it's going to make sales for your business. And that's not the case. So it's like, what are you running the ads to? What is the messaging in the ad? If somebody opts in after the ad, right, let's say they get to your website they get on your email list, do you even have a sequence set up to help usher them through the customer buyer's journey? Or are they just signing up and they don't get any correspondence? They don't hear from you for months, right? And so a lot of people get in a business and they're like, I got this cute product. I got this website done. Um, I got my logo, my colors and everything. And I'm just going to run ads. And so ads don't actually make you sales. They help you drive traffic. Right. And a lot of people, that's a huge misconception. Ads are not necessarily going to sell your product. You still need to do things on your end to make sure that your product is selling. Right. Tara, you touched on so many things because it's like, first of all, it's that whole 
if I build it, they will come type of thing. And that's <laughs> they, not, they ain't coming. They not they coming. coming. <laughs> they, they don't even know. They don't even know you exist. They don't know your website is there. It could be as beautiful. They don't know nothing about your products or you, right? And then mm-hmm. who are they? Mm-hmm. Who are they? Like, mm-hmm. you know, where does where do they live? How old are they? What are their interests? Like, who are they? Mm-hmm. And that is really big. I think sometimes people get this idea. They're like, oh, I want to start a brand. And like you said, they put all the investment into the shiny things. Oh, I want my logo to look like this. Oh, I want my website to look like this. And they stress over those things, but they really don't understand who they're targeting, what their product, who their product is for, and all of those things. And having like a brand messaging and story, Mm -hmm. any of that, it's just like, oh, hey, I just popped up some products. And so all you see is they post all these pretty pictures of skincare products but nothing else. And mm-hmm. they put ads on that stuff. Like just because I see this nice bottle and jar sitting next to some, a plant, I'm going to buy it. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely more than that. So I, I think that is definitely great. You shared that. So I want to talk about, you know, some tips that you could give for people rather than just only building it and thinking they're going to come. Um, I know we, you said something about target audience. So what are some ways you can figure that out? And then we could go into, you know, other things as well. So target audience is deep. And I probably go, I've heard from my clients, let me just say this, that my approach to understanding your target audience is the most in-depth that they have experienced in any program that they've been in and any course that they have taken in listening to anyone, right? Because you really have to think about the psychology of your customer. It's not even simply just knowing what their lifestyle is and where they live and what type of car they drive. It's taking that information and then translating it into how can you communicate with them, right? So target all the audience, understanding who your target audience is, your ideal customer really has to do a lot with the psychology and understanding them from a psychological perspective, what's going to resonate with them. And that's what helps you create your marketing. That's what helps you create your content. That's what's going to help you with your messaging. And when your customers see it, when your target audience sees it, they fill up because they're like, oh my God, this brand knows me. And like, they resonate with that. So yeah, for target audience, you really have to go deep. It's not just simply knowing that they, you know, use Instagram or knowing that they drive uh, Acura TSX. You got to go deeper, like levels deeper than that to really understand the target audience. I would agree because you definitely have to go deep enough to understand their language Mm -hmm. so that you can speak to their problems, their issues, because definitely a group of women in their 20s is going to have different problems from a group of women in their 40s, right? Mm-hmm. So their interests are different and all of those things are different. So really just being able to do that. But with somebody listening, they're like, okay, maybe they're in the process of starting their product line and they're not really clear on their target audience. And they, they've heard stuff like you need to know these, all these things, you know, where they live and all that. And, but they don't know where to begin. Like, how do yeah. I dig deeper? Like, what are some things that you could do to get that information? The first thing I will say is make a hypothesis of who you think your target customer is, right? And this is also another common mistake. People who get into business and who start beauty brands or any brand in general, they think that they are their target customer. Now, that may very well be true, but you need to validate that with at least 100 people who are exactly like you if you're your target customer. So the first thing I want you to do is create a a hypothesis on who you think your target customer is. The second thing is find those people who fit that profile of your hypothesis. And the third thing is talk to them. You either are going to get them on the phone, you're going to do a survey, you're going to get in touch with them somehow because you really need to have an understanding of who this person is. Now, one of the things that we used to do when I was in marketing and in the beauty industry is we used to do focus groups. So we would have people come in, whether they were testing the products, um, whether you know we were showing them a video, a piece of ad, um, ad collateral, or whatever it may be, and we got feedback from them. And these were based off of people who we thought, who we hypothesized to be our target customer. 
Um, another thing I know, you know, we're in the pandemic right now, so this may not even be feasible, but we also used to do in-home studies. And so this really allows you to understand how this person is on a regular day-to-day basis, right? What are their habits? Like you really get to know in detail. Okay. They wake up, they make their coffee, then they get dressed for work. Then they do this. Then they start their makeup routine after they take a shower, right? You really need to understand in detail. What are those usage habits? What are people doing on a day-to-day basis? I know that's hard to do, but one way you can kind of flip that now in the times that we're in is you put a survey together with questions around the things that you want to understand. So you ask your customer um, or who you believe your target customer to be, you know, what is the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Um, Do you put your makeup on, you know, after you have your coffee or do you put it on before you have your coffee, right? Ask those questions. And these questions may seem like, you know, if you're listening, you're probably like, what do these questions matter? It matters because if you know that your customer is using your particular products once a day, that's going to help you with understanding their usage habits. So how frequently are they going to go through the products, right? Which means you can then set up behavior targets based on the last time that they purchased to get them to come purchase again right? Because you know, in 30 days, they're going to be running out of product. You might want to follow up with them on day 20. Hey, you know, you purchased like 20 days ago, a couple of weeks ago. We know you're almost running out. Here's your favorite product. Make sure you put it in the cart. So this is the automation. And this is getting to the point of increasing your sales, right? Without increasing your spin on marketing efforts. There's many, many ways to do it, but you really got to know your customer at a very base level in order to do that. Yes, yes, I would agree with that great advice. So I want to talk about, I want to back up a little bit because you talked about, so you build a brand and even when you're building a brand, you should be putting it out there, promoting it, building your customer list and under, you know, like you said, starting to figure out exactly who your customer is and narrowing all those things down. But oftentimes that's not the case. People will just pop up with a brand. Like they just pop up with a brand. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I, lo- I launched lipstick today. And they just put it on, you know, and the website is there. So <laughs> I want you to speak to that. Like, mm-hmm. what, you sh- what should you be doing, you know, other than that? Because I see that across the board a lot. It's it's not even a real launch. It's just mm-hmm. like, I popped up. You, We didn't know nothing. You had a brand coming. We didn't hear nothing about it. And just one day you sell lipstick now. Mm-hmm. And then they sell lipstick and then you look back at the page a week later and all the posts are deleted because they didn't get enough um, engagement that they expected, right? They didn't get the likes. They didn't get the shares. They didn't get the comments, right? I see it all too often. So, and I agree, that's not a launch. That is not a launch. So if you are planning a launch for your business, and this applies to any business, product-based um, uh service-based, whatever, right? But I'm speaking to my product girls and my product guys, right? You should be planning and preparing and seeding what you have coming at a minimum. If this is a launch, nobody knows about your brand, you've never put it out there, at a minimum 90 days in advance. 90 days in advance, right? You should be promoting your business. You should be getting into um, spaces and places where you believe your ideal customer to be, talking to them about what's coming, building the anticipation, right? There's nothing worse than launching something and nobody knows about it. You want to launch and people actually know that something is coming and they're excited and they have an incentive to actually care and want to purchase when you actually officially launch. So a launch does not start when you launch per se. It starts 90 days in advance, right? Now, I understand why people do this. It's because In today's day and age on social, you may see an influencer that's like, hey, I got a candle line or hey, I'm launching my makeup today or whatever it is. And it sells out. But you have to remember, you don't have that audience yet. Right. You're not the influencer yet. So you don't have the um, ability to not prepare and plan for your launch accordingly, um, like some of the influencers and celebrities do. Great. So for someone who's thinking about launching a product, they always wanted to have their 
online, what advice would you give that person? If they haven't started anything yet, but they're in the thought process. So if you're in the thought process, you should also be thinking about outside of thinking about what the product is, you should be thinking about who you're going to sell it to and how you're going to sell it. Right. That is of vital importance because it's going to frame everything. I see so many people spend so much time on taglines and um, trying to make things sound cute and you don't even know who you're talking to. Right. So you've spent so much energy um, on the cuteness of it, of the business, and not really on the business side. I would also say be very clear on what your goals are. A lot of people um, in the space that I've come across don't set goals, right? And these are business owners who are making $100,000, right? And, you know, a few months and six months of being in business, they're not setting goals. They just kind of like mistakenly make this money and they don't have a goal for how, for how much they're going to continue to make. And they don't have goals for what they're going to do with the money that they're actually bringing in. I also would think too that it, it has the product has to resonate with you some kind of way <laughs> because oftentimes I see people that sells what they think is popular or mm-hmm. what so even if it's not something that you necessarily have to use at least you understand how to educate people or you really know the ins and outs of the products or you have some connection to it because otherwise I think people can get burnt out putting a product out there that they just saw, oh, everybody's come out with lashes, so let me just do lashes. Mm. So what do you think about that? So I think about this a little differently because I know people who have started brands that don't have a personal connection to what they're selling and you know they're making good money, right? And then I know people who have personal connections to the brand, whether it be themselves or through a family member or something like that, and they're making good money as well, right? Um, So it can go either way. I will say that if you are someone who is going to be involved in the marketing and the sales process for your business, you should have some connection to it, right? Um, But if you are someone who is like, you know, I want to sell these lashes and I'm going to hire this team to do this and I'm going to, you know, have all these people, I don't, you know, like that would be like me selling lashes. I can't, I don't know how to put them on, right? I struggle. My eyes just, they just don't allow it for me. But when a makeup artist does it, it works. So it's like me selling lashes, um, it would be okay, I'm going to hire these people to do it because that would be like me trying to put lashes on. It's, it's, it's like a joke. Um, so there's two different sets of people, right? And I always say this, you're either going to do your marketing and branding yourself, right? As you're starting out, or you're going to hire someone to do it for you. And the people who hire someone to do it for them are more, more likely to be the people who don't have like a personal connection with whatever it is that they're selling. I get that. Um, definitely like, because I know there's big, huge, you know, entrepreneurs that make millions and they buy these companies and really don't have much to do with them, you know, mm-hmm. but they hire people to handle all those things. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking, I think I'm looking at like that startup person okay. that maybe, you know, maybe they don't have the budget to hire yet that they're not there. So it probably is beneficial to start off with something you're more connected to, but I get that because if you're in a position where you can hire people that do the marketing and do all that stuff for you and you don't have to do that, then I could see you not necessarily have to be so connected to the product. But when you're, when it's just you and maybe one other person or, you know, or just you, then I think it should be a connection for sure. Yeah. I don't even know if you need to have a connection there per se, but you do need to have a reason why you're doing it. A why? You need to have a, a purpose that's bigger than just selling lashes or selling whatever product it is, right? Selling extension, whatever, selling hair, you know, shampoo and conditioner. You need to have a purpose that's bigger. Maybe this is the thing that's going to help you get to the next level. So I I work with, like I said, I work with all types of clients. I have a client right now who's selling products that is her gateway for her to launch another business, right? And so she knows her why. Is she very much connected to the products that she's selling? Maybe, maybe not, but she has a why behind it and she makes sure to anchor herself on that why whenever it gets tough. It's like, okay, this is to help me for step B, right? I know I'm here at A, but this is going to get me to C, D, E, F, 
right? And so you really need to have a purpose. I don't know that you need to have a personal connection. You need to have a purpose, but you need to be personally connected to the people that you're selling it to. And you need to ensure your product connects and your messaging connects with the people you're selling it to. Great. So how do you feel about the whole brand ambassador thing? Like, you know, I know this is a, a way that everybody tells you, you know, you can hire brand ambassadors or micro influencers and all of that for your brand. Mm -hmm. um, is that something that you advise and what's your take on it? I mean, I think it's great, right? If it works, if that is what you want for your business, right? There is no one size fits all. I don't tell any of my clients, like, you have to do this, you have to do that. There are always options. But if you're going to go the influencer route, you know, just understand that it will cost you some money, right? It's going to, you're going to have to invest some money um, into that. And there's also many different ways to work with brand ambas ambassadors and influencers. You can work with influencers and have them create content for you. So you're not creating the content, right? Is that something that most brand owners would pay for? Absolutely, right? Because <laughs> they don't have to create the content. Um, you can work with the influencers to promote your products, to promote your brand. Um, and the brand ambassadors, they do it on a more frequent basis. So it really depends on like, what is the vibe you want for your business, right? And people are going to, if it's done in an authentic way, people will connect more with like user-generated content, which can come from an influencer or a brand ambassador. Okay. Uh, I can see that. I can see, I, I can see where it could be beneficial for sure. Do you have uh, a different it, opinion? No, no, okay. I, I, I don't. I don't. I think it's it's useful. Mm -hmm. But I would I I always just say though, when you're starting out, if you don't have a huge budget, you know, don't go to like the biggest influencer. And, oh, of course not. <laughs> of course not. If you don't, if you can't drop a million today and be okay that you dropped a million and didn't make anything back, don't do it. It's the same with ads. Whatever you put into the ad, if you can't put that into the ad and be okay that you don't get any money back don't do it. Right. So yeah, they would, I, I don't advise anyone go to macro influencers at all. Like if you are starting out, you go to the micro influencers, go with what's in your budget, right? Everybody has a different budget. Do what is within your budget. Great. Great. So the holidays are coming up and I know I have a beauty brand. I'm already like, you know, I got my Black Friday order already in, you know, I'm getting uh -huh. things ready and getting ready for that. So what are some, you know, advice or some things we could talk about when it pertains to uh, these beauty brands getting ready for the holidays? If you ain't ready, you're late. <laughs> no, um, seriously, but like, you know, a little jokey joke. Um, yeah, I think in the past few years, and this has been a trend for some time, like brands are starting to promote and give offers for the holidays earlier and earlier, right? So you start to see brands that are giving out deals or starting deals in October now, even before, um, what's the, uh, what's the thing at the end of Halloween, right? Even before Halloween, brands are starting to do promotions that are holiday related and consumers are starting to actually purchase for the holidays earlier and earlier because it's like I want to get this out the way I don't want to have to um, worry about this in the long term so I would say you know as you think about your calendar you should really have your um, like your marketing your offer if you're doing new product shots and videos and things like that for the holidays, you should really have that stuff solidified in July, right? It seems early, but it's not because in just a few months after July is when you're going to start promoting if you want to stand out, right? And um, another thing is like the content that you've been putting out for the entire year is not going to stand out during the holiday season. It's the noisiest season ever. Right. This is, you know, the period when a lot of big retailers put a lot of money into ad spend. So it's such a noisy season and you really have to be prepared for it and make sure. Again, I'm going to go back to the automations, the sequences, making sure that you have those things set up so that you can make money during this time. Um, and I would also say is 
it is a great time to launch if you have done the work, the pre-work to get people excited about what you're launching during that time period. Great, great. That's interesting that you said that. So you said the holiday season is a, a great time to launch if you've done the pre-work. So let's kind of like dive into that a little bit. Yeah, if you've done the pre-work, like if you're launching, I had a client that I worked with last year, they came to me in, I want to say it was October. They were doing a new product launch. It was their first Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Um, and they were rebranding. So they were rebranding first, doing a new product launch like two weeks after. And then Black Friday, Cyber Monday was two weeks after that, their first one. And so they had already made like six figures in the first six months of their business, but they were they wanted to be prepared for the holiday season and everything that they had going on. And because they had done the pre-work, right, of establishing their brand, they knew where their target customer was, they had a successful holiday season. And after the rebrand, after the new product launch and the Black Friday and Cyber Monday, they made $7,000 in four days. So, you know, when you've done the work, it is a great time to launch. I think for the new product launch, I think they made $2,000 in one day, right? And it was two weeks before Black Friday. So when you think about that, customers are ready to shop during that time period. They're ready. You just have to be ready with the right offer for them, right? And if it's the right offer, you're going to be able to capitalize off of it if you've done the work to be prepared beforehand. Great. So how does a beauty brand stand out in a crowded market? Because there was already a crowded market before the pandemic and everything that's been going on the last two years. But a lot, a lot of more brands are popping up. More and more people are, you know, starting their own lines and all of that, all of those things. So what are some ways a beauty brand owner could stand out in a crowded market? Um, it's really about, it's a few things. It's about authenticity, right? There are a lot of brands out here that are selling the same thing, legit the same thing. They're probably getting it from the same manufacturer, same ingredients, just a different label, right? And then there are also people who start brands and they look at components of other businesses and they're like, okay, I'm going to attach myself to that. And they try to be like other brands, right? That is like, that's not going to differentiate you. So you really need to figure out what authenticity means to your business and your brand and how you're going to show that and have a personality. A lot of people, um, you know, start brands and it's like, it seems very clinical. It's like, you know, especially if it's a product that is supposed to like help clear your skin or help grow your edges. And it, it seems very clinical, but that is also very boring. And I tell my folks all the time, like boring brands do not make sales. They, they know that boring brands do not make sales. So it's, you know, how can your brand be authentic? How can it be uniquely identified um, against all these other brands that are in the marketplace? And then what is that personality that you have attached to your brand? Because nobody is going to interact with a boring brand, Right. Um, and some people struggle with that because again, they think that they are one, their target customer, and then they think that they're their brand. And, you know, I have to help them figure out like, you're not either of those. You don't have to attach yourself. If you're quiet and you're, you know, more reserved, that doesn't mean that your brand can't be loud and, you know, a little bit sassy, right? It's all in how you it first of all it has to do with your target customer and what's going to resonate with them um but so many people like it really comes back to target customer you really have to know who they are for sure for sure so um how would you go about using your metrics to take your business to the next level Metrics are everything, right? I'm a data geek. I could sit in an Excel spreadsheet for a minute and just like look at like what's happening because your metrics really tell you a story. So um, I mentioned earlier about one of the ways you can increase your sales without increasing your marketing budget is by raising your average order value or improving your conversion rate, right? So if you... Um, 
for example, if you want to make, let's say you want to double your sales, right? In the next month period or for this month. And you're like, all right, I have this traffic coming to my site. My conversion rate is like 5%. Um, they're spending $50 with me. How do I actually increase my sales? You would increase your average order value, right? Put together an offer that is more than $50 that will help you increase your average order value and focus on that offer. Focus on selling that offer and also make it something that is urgent for people to buy into. And you can do this throughout the year. It doesn't just have to happen once or twice. Like you can do this consistently throughout the year. Figure out ways to raise your average order value. Um, conversion rates a little different because you have to make sure your website's fully optimized. Some of the stuff is really testing, right? Placements, buttons, messaging, and things like that. But I always say, Work with what you have, right? Work with your current conversion rate, the current traffic that you have, and increase your average order value. Or another way to do it is, you know, promote your brand more to get more traffic. If your conversion rate stays the same and your average order rate, average order value stays the same, then you're increasing your sales as well. Great, great stuff, Tara. Great stuff. So how do you feel about, I've been seeing a lot about uh, subscription boxes and a lot of mm -hmm people showing you how to start up your subscription boxes and all of that. I don't know if you dealt with uh, clients who've done that, but can you share your take on it and everything? As far as what? So what about them? Right. You know, just started a subscription box brand. Is it, a, is it a good idea? You know, just what are your thoughts about the subscription box thing? So, I mean, if you think about it from the standpoint of recurring revenue, it's awesome, right? A subscription box means that you will know for and it depends on your terms on like cancellations and things like that. So you'll know for the upcoming month, how many, um, what your sales is going to be. It makes your business very predictable, right? You also will understand how much um, drop off you're going to have in the next month by people canceling their subscription box. I actually did have a client who has a spice box that she sells and the way that she did it was she did pre-orders. So she did pre-orders to launch her subscription box. So she knew exactly how many she had to make. Right. Um, and then in the next month, she had a certain quantity that she needed to sell through. So it really makes your business more predictable. Um, the thing about subscription boxes is you do some people get lax and they think that they don't have to market more or market consistently for that matter because there's a subscription box but you still need to be consistently marketing because there's going to be a percentage of people who drop off um, every month that you need to recover right as far as sales um, and if you're not consistently marketing or you're not talking to the right person knowing your target customer, um, then when those people drop off you're just going to start seeing sales decline. but I think the subscription box model, is a great business model. Yes, yes. I'm all about the reoccurring revenue. So mm -hmm. for sure, for sure. I just been seeing a lot about it and I've been having a conversation. So I just wanted to see what your take on it was. Yeah, I think it's I think it's smart. Like think about um, you know, curlbox, right? I remember when that first came out, you know, people thought it was crazy to purchase a subscription box for hair care products for black women. But you know, I don't know the statistics, but I'm I'm confident in, you know, following my leak that every month since she's been in business, she sold that thing out. Right. And so a subscription box model is an awesome, awesome model. Um, I'm not too familiar with the people who are like teaching how to do it. But at the end of the day, the traditional marketing strategy applies to a subscription box model. There's no like difference in strategy than if you're selling products um, you know, not on subscription. And then there are some businesses, one of my clients actually has a subscription model as well as a model where you can just purchase the products on an ongoing basis, like whenever you need it. So you can mix the two together. You can have just a subscription box model, um, for your business, or you can just do a, you know, purchase what you want when you want it type of model. This episode is sponsored by Coleman Tax, helping you see the beauty in your numbers. Coleman Tax is a boutique tax firm that exclusively serves beautypreneurs. We help you save money by using tax planning and by getting your beauty business finances organized for you to make the best decisions for your business. 
Book your free tax strategy call at thebeautycpa.com. So let's talk about Shopify. Like, is Shopify the end all be all? I hear so much about it. It seems like everything integrates with it. So tell me your take on Shopify. So I'm not endorsed by Shopify. They are not paying me yet. Um, but I will say that they are the end all be all. And I've worked with clients who have used Big Commerce, Wix. Um, what are some of the other ones? Uh, Squarespace, right? And just from a metric standpoint, right? We just talked about metrics. We just talked about knowing your, um, looking at your data from a metric standpoint, the way that they display that is so very easy to understand and to digest. And you have access to a lot more data than you would have on these other platforms. Also, like you said, everything integrates with it. So if you are looking for an app, right? They have an app for that. Even, you know, when it comes down to like email marketing platforms, like everything literally integrates with Shopify. And that is one less thing that you want to have to worry about when you're running a business is how to code one of your pages. One of my clients used to code pages on, I think she was using BigCommerce or WooCommerce, one of them. And she's not a coder, but imagine how much time she would get back if she was using like a Shopify. Right. So don't stress yourself like they make it easy. They are designed to um, help you make sales. And so just use you Shopify. Great, great. So there's a lot of people who get overwhelmed with all of these marketing things. You know, you know, first we got to figure out who our customer is and then we got to sell them. Then we got to target them. Then we got to set Shopify up and we got to do all these things. And they're not, maybe they're not as tech savvy, you know, that's not their lane. Mm-hmm. What would you recommend for the beauty brand owner who's, you know, either already started their brand and they're frustrated with trying to do everything or they're getting ready to start their brand? What would you recommend? I would say do it, do one thing at a time. Like, don't feel like you need to do everything all at once. And in all honesty, some of the things that you're concerned about if you're just starting out are not necessarily things that you need to be concerned about at this moment, right? You're running your own race. You're not racing with anyone. So just do what you can, um, you know, every day, right? If it's like, okay, Monday, I'm going to focus on target audience. And then I know I have a call with the manufacturer about, you know, the production and when we're going to receive products and things like that. Tuesday, I'm going to focus on what is, um, you know, if you did target audience for Monday, it's probably going to take you a little while, but you know, I'm just kind of paraphrasing here. Tuesday, I'm going to focus on my content. Like what content am I going to use to actually, um, attract people or even let them know that this brand is coming, right? Wednesday, just break everything down into one piece. I think what has happened, because a lot of people are starting these businesses either on the side of working a nine to five or, um, you know, they've worked in a nine to five before. And so you take that mindset where you have this to-do list, this never ending to-do list, and you get your feelings hurt because you can't get the to-do list done. So it's like, what is your biggest thing that you need to get done in that day? Make sure you do that. And then if there are two, one or two other things that you get done in that day, you're accomplished, right? Because I would rather you take on smaller tasks over a period of time than try to rush through things and get them done just for the sake of getting them done and then not being able to get the results you want because you didn't spend the time that you needed to on those things. I love that. I think that's great advice, Tara, because I I operate like that. Like I do certain things for the business on certain days and that really has been helpful for me. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm doing bot I'm doing podcast interviews on these days. I'm doing coaching on these days mm-hmm. and I'm working on my marketing and different things and what I'm doing, my social media plan on, on this particular day of the week and my finances on this day, that really actually helps me. Yeah. And so that way I could be laser focused. So if I'm focused on, you know, getting my content together, 
then that's what I'm doing that day. It's content day. That way I don't have to do two coaching calls in the morning, work on some content, and then mm-hmm. think about something else over here for the marketing. It's just too much going on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how people get burnt out and they get overwhelmed and all those things. So I love the way you shared that. Like, okay, Monday do this, Tuesday do that, because that has actually been very beneficial for me. Mm-hmm. And then even when you think about like content, content is so heavy, right? There's a lot of moving parts to content. You got to get your images together, your videos together. That's one day. That's one day's worth of work. Then you want to write your captions. That's another day's worth of work, right? Then you schedule it. If you're feeling burnt out after writing your captions and stuff, then you go in and schedule it, right? So break stuff down in a smaller task um, will really help you get stuff done. You know, you, you if you're tired, take a nap. Please take a nap. Take care of yourself. Do what you need to do. 10, 15 minute nap, 30 minute nap, four hour nap, however long your nap is. I'm not judging, but just, you know, kind of break things down into smaller pieces. That's how you avoid overwhelm. And um, you don't get to the point of burnout where you just don't don't do anything at all. And it keeps your brain fresh, too, because you're not doing the same thing every day. So imagine if. You are creating content Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You are also doing your finances Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You are having phone calls Monday to every day of the week, right? It's burning you out. So figure out what you're going to do on those specific days. Do them, stick to it, and that's it. Great advice, great advice. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Mm -hmm. That has definitely been beneficial for me, for sure. So what are you excited about right now? Do you have any programs coming up or anything going on with your business? So I am excited because I am speaking in a couple of days about holiday, right? How to actually make sure that you are setting up marketing campaigns so you have a successful holiday season that's coming up. Um, my program is position to profit. And you know, for those that are interested in applying to join position to profit, you can go to um, www.positiontoprofit.co. And as a, as a function of applying to join us inside the program, you will also get exclusive access to our private training. And that training goes into much detail on how you can actually consistently increase your sales and scale your business beyond 10-figure months. Um, so that's what I'm really excited about. I'm excited about working with my clients inside the program, especially those that joined and they're doing the work now to be ready for holiday, right? Like some of them are rebranding, some of them are launching, right? It's a very exciting time for them. And I know that they are prepared because they have done the work. I love the name, Tara, Position the Profits, right? Mm-hmm. So give us just one or two tips on how you can position your business to profit? Um, First of all, you got to make sure, like I was very intentional with the naming of the program because a lot of people, like I said, my one client who I work with, they had made $100,000 in the first six months of business. But when they came to work with me, they were like, we don't know where any of that money went. And I was like, well, Y'all made $100,000 and y'all don't have nothing to show for it, right? So you can make the quick money, but if you're not profiting from what you make, it's not, there's no point. Is like, there's really no point. It's not worth it. And so I want to make sure that at the end of the program, you're setting your, your business up for success. And the first line of defense is making sure that your products are priced appropriately. You're not undercutting yourself. You understand your margins. You know what it takes to be profitable. And then when you're putting your offers together, you understand how much margin you have to discount, right? or how much margin you have to sell a bundle and give away a product for half off, whatever that may be, right? You understand that because too often people are like, oh, I'm gonna just give a 50% discount, like 50% off the store. And then you wind up not making money. You had hella orders, but you wind up not making money, right? And I think a lot of people get into that cycle of doing sales, doing discounts because it's a holiday, because they feel like they need to do it and they're not really setting their business up to actually be profitable. I love it. <clears throat> because you went into that, I see a lot of brands, they're just on a sale. It's always a sale. It's always a sale. And there's some companies like 
Macy's. I don't buy anything that's not on sale at Macy's. I love when they email me and I'm like, oh, they got that one sale, you know, and I love it. But I feel like I know that they're going to have a sale to the point where I'm never spending full price there. That's just my mindset mm-hmm. with them because it makes no no sense. Next week is going to be on sale, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're a small brand, you don't want to be like Macy's. You don't have Macy's money to have a sale every other week. So right. Uh, give your take on that. Like, what advice would you give beauty brands that are constantly feel like they always got to run a sale? They always got to run a sale to get customers to buy things. It's funny you bring up Macy's because I actually made a post about this. I want to say last year. And I was basically it was something like, you know, you don't want to be always be on sale like Macy's. Right. And um, somebody had commented under that post and was like, yeah, but Macy's is a billion dollar brand. Da, da, da. And I said, yeah, they're also closing down stores. They're furloughing people, right? They're basically going out of business because they're they're running off of this low cost discount strategy. Now they can afford it because they have hundreds of stores, right? They may also have you know loans and things like that. We don't know. My biggest thing with working with these um, the independent beauty brands, right, or independent brands in general, is that you may see these big companies doing certain things and following these certain strategies, but you don't know what they have going on in the back end. You don't know what their books look like. And when I'm talking about books, I'm talking about their cash flow statement, their income statement, um, their profit and loss statement. You don't know what that looks like. You don't know how much debt they have on there. You don't know any of that, right? So... You really have to be, like I said earlier, you got to run your own race and you have to find what is going to work for your brand. You do not have to discount this call. This question just came up um, Wednesday. I have the call with my program members and somebody was like, well, Labor Day is coming up. I don't know if I should do a sale like everybody else is doing the sale. And I was like, well, do you want to do a sale? She was like, no. And I was like, well, you don't have to do a sale. You can acknowledge the holiday, right? Post about it, send an email about it, but that doesn't mean that you need to have a sale, right? And so a lot of people are just like, oh, we're going to do a sale for every holiday. That, unless your business is set up to be sustainable and be profitable when you do your sale every holiday, because if that's your prerogative, go ahead and do it. Um, But I do not advise that you just do a sale because it's a holiday. Right. I, I don't advise that either. And you don't have to lead with a sale all the time. I believe that just if things are, are slow, it, it's another issue. It may be the very thing that you help people with, the marketing, the understanding yeah. of their customers, all those things that you teach. Mm-hmm. More than likely, it's one of those things. It's not necessarily that they're not buying it because I need to put it on sale. You know, right. like, oh, if right. I put it on sale, they're going to buy. Or I talk with someone who's like, that's the only time they do buy from me is when things are on sale. Well, you need to stop having sales and figure out who your target audience is because it's not working. Basically, and you know what? You start to train your customers to wait for the sale. And when when I had this conversation with, um, I did a challenge a few months ago, I had this conversation, the challenge, and one of the women had an aha, she said, oh my goodness, that is why when I have a sale, they like, everything is sold out because they literally wait for the sale and they stock up and then I don't get purchases for two to three months because they know you're going to have a sale, right? Um, So you train your customers with what you want them to do. And that's, again, why I said it goes to the psychology. Is that even the customer that you want to have as your target, as your ideal customer that only waits to purchase from you when there's a sale? Probably not. Um, As an independent, right, e-commerce brand, beauty brand online, that you don't want that to be your target customer. I think what happens is, too, is you see a lot of the bigger brands, you get a lot of emails all the time, right? I, you know, mm-hmm. the big box brands, Sephora's, the office, they email you like every day and it's always a sale, it's always something. So I think that smaller brands, independent brands feel that they have to do those same things. But if you, I know that you should be connecting with your list and you should be emailing them, but mm-hmm. in addition to just always pushing a sale, can you give us some other ideas of the types of uh, things that you could email your uh clients about your products and things that you offer. Absolutely. So I want to touch on that. So like Sephora's and Alta's, yes, they always have something going on, but they are also selling 
a hundred different brands in their store, right? So you got to be conscious of that. They they may be um, having a, a promotion on a particular brand in that email that they're sell- that they're sending to you, and that's why it seems like something is always going on. But when you think about um, an independent brand, there are tons of things that you can email your list about. You can email them about your best sellers, right? You can say, hey, like these are our best selling products. And here is the reason why they are best sellers and have an image of the products in a shop now button to take them to the website. And even better, if you could just put it in the cart for them, right? Put it in the cart, remove any obstacles for them to get the product into the cart. Um, so you can talk about best sellers. You can talk about one of my clients um, sells faux locks. And so she was like, I don't really know what to talk to my my customers about via email. I was like, well, do you have long locks and like medium length and short bobs? You can do an email featuring each of them, right? So think about your products. Think about the categories that you have for your products and put some emphasis into each of them when you email right? That's a, a easy way to keep your brand top of mind without having to sell things. Um, you can also promote bundles, right? Put together bundle offers. They may or may not have um, a discount component to them. Um, i trying to think of some more stuff off the top of my head, but there, I mean, there are tons of things that you can be emailing about. That's why the Sephora's and Altas are emailing you every day. And trust is strategic, right? It's very strategic. So sometimes you really just have to sit down and kind of brain dump, okay, what are all the things that people are interested in that I can position my product as a solution for them and email them about, right? It may be, oh, we're coming into the fall, so it's going to get dry. So your hair is going to be drier. So here's a product that you need right now that's going to keep your hair moisturized as the weather gets dry. No sale. You're just positioning something that is based upon the season that we're coming into. So, yeah, I mean, we could go deep into like, you know, hundreds of things that they can email about, but it's really just understanding what do your customers need? What's happening seasonally? What is changing? What is evolving? Um, what, you know, are they interested in at this, this present moment? Great advice, sir. Great, great. Well, it is, has been phenomenal talking with you and learning more about all the gems you've been dropping and everything. But I want to wind down to the last few questions that I like to ask guests that comes on the show. So one of them would be, what would you say has been the biggest lesson that you've learned on your entrepreneurial journey thus far? The biggest lesson that I have learned thus far, I feel like I just did a reflection on this. I would say that Whenever you feel like you want to quit, don't, because that is often the moment when you are at an inflection point where things are going to change, like a transformation is happening, right? You get to that place because you feel uncomfortable and a lot of being an entrepreneur has to do with being uncomfortable, right? So embrace that uncomfort you know, take a pause if you need to assess, take a step back, but do not quit, right? Do not quit because, and it also goes back to knowing your why and your purpose. Why are you doing this? Why have you started this brand, right? It has to be bigger than just what it looks like on the surface. So yeah, definitely do not quit. Continue to to keep going um, and just assess where you are and keep pushing through. Where do you hang out for motivation? Like just to keep, you know, you know how it is as an entrepreneur. What's like, is it a podcast? Is it a book? Is it a group that you're in? Where do you hang out for your motivation? So I love to listen to audiobooks now. Um, I have this app called Hoopla. If you have a library card, I know I sound old right now. If you have a library card, right, you can literally um, listen to audiobooks for free on Hoopla. And I love it because it lets me, you know, um, borrow books just like I'm going to a library. So I love audiobooks. I love inspirational audiobooks. And I have also my circle is very tight. So like my best friends, my sister, my cousins, they really keep me um, inspired. And then I also have a group of business friends that really keep me inspired and we inspire each other because we're all going through this journey together. So 
I would say, you know, if you're someone who nine times out of 10, if you're an entrepreneur, there aren't a lot of other entrepreneurs around you. So you want to make sure that you connect with and find community with other entrepreneurs, right? And some of that happens off of social media. Like most people are not going to think that it may start on social media, but it happens off of social media. And I think that it's important for people to start to get back to making in-person, like in real life connections, whether it be a Zoom call, whether it be you get together for coffee, whatever you feel comfortable with at this time. But that is what is so, so important. And that is what has kept me motivated. Great. What's your favorite audiobook? My favorite audiobook. So it is called, and I always recommend this audiobook, is by T. Harv, Herb, T. Harv Eckert, and it's called The Millionaire Mind, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Favorite audiobook. Um, until I listen, have you listened, heard, or read that book? Yes. Yes. It's one of my favorite audiobooks. Um, and I like it because. And it's not just about like making money. I mean, that's the premise, but he really goes into what I really enjoyed was like the difference between affirmations and declarations. A lot of people are out here kicking around affirmations and they'll say them all the time, but it seems like, and I forget specifically how he described it, but it like, it seems like it's fake or like it's false. Whereas a declaration is something that you are actually doing right? It's a commitment and it's something that you have, have some things to do behind it. Um, so I really, I really, really love that book. I just recently listened to, I forget the other one and it's going to take me a minute to find on my iPad, but that's my favorite audio book. Awesome. Awesome. I like that one too. I actually yeah. um, need to revisit that because oftentimes at different times, I'll go back and listen to different ones. And that's uh, one of the ones that I need to revisit. So I love that. Mm-hmm. So what's either like your favorite tool or app that you use to operate in your business? In my business? So mm-hmm. this is this is not going to be relevant to my clients um, or like people that will work with me. But my favorite tool right now is Airtable. It's a client, um, it's like a client database where I can keep all of the information on my clients from like things that they're submitting each week to be reviewed, questions that they have, progress and things like that. Um, So I really love Airtable. Interesting. I have to check that out. I'm not familiar with it, but it's, yeah. it sounds great. A lot of people always say Despato. I think that's how you say it. Dubsado. Dubsado. Yeah. I've never used Dubsado. Um, and I actually worked with a tech VA who kind of set up my stuff and she was like, you don't need Dubsado. So I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Well, great, great. It's been so awesome uh, talking with you. Can you uh, share any last thoughts or anything you want to share before we go? Yes. So um, last thoughts are to remember your why, right? Um, Make sure you know and understand your data because that can help you grow, right? That's just going to help you know what's working, what's not working, and it can really help you grow. And I will also say, make sure that you're planning ahead for anything, any campaign, any promotion, or anything that you're planning to do, right? Put the effort into planning ahead because it really takes a lot of weight off of you when it comes time for things to actually go live, whether that's to launch a new product, whether that is um, a promotion that you're putting out there, right? Really think about what is the journey that your customers are going to go through and how you want them to respond and understand who that target customer is so that you can tap into their psychology um, to help you with making sales for your business. Great stuff, Tara. Thank you so much, Tara Payton, everybody. Make sure you connect with her. I will leave all of her information in the show notes. As always, stay great and we're out. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Make sure you subscribe. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I want to hear from you. Email me at info at businessbeautynetwork.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at I am Brandy Taylor and Facebook at I am Brandy Taylor. I want to connect with you. So let's stay connected. And remember that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great.